Welcome to Finding the Faith with me, your host, Frida Donnelly, where we explore what matters. Whether it's traversing someone's faith journey, diving deeper into doctrine, or simply enjoying Christian fellowship, I aim to focus on the good and the beautiful to provide you with some respite from the world. If you'd like to join us live, check out Finding the Faith on Rumble every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. All the links are in the show notes down below. Please remember to rate and subscribe, and I'll see you on the other side. Hello and welcome to Finding the Faith, where we explore what matters every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for tuning in. Tonight, I'm deeply, deeply excited to have a dear new friend of mine, Hannah, who happens to be twinning with me, which you'll see in just a moment. But if you're looking to grab one of the coolest hoodies well, or sweatshirts on the market right now, we love because he first loved us, First John 419. As part of Jess's campaign, please check the link in the description below and you can grab one of those after the show because she has restocked. Anyways, we have a couple announcements before we get going. Um, tonight afterwards, I was thinking we could play a couple rounds of Among Us, so make sure you join the Discord for that, for lots of fun memes, amazing fellowship at pretty much 24-7. We have a lot going on there. And on the 17th, we have a special movie night where we will be watching Father Stew. It's a pretty fun movie. It has Marky Mark in it, so you know what's not to love. Um, and you can definitely check that out. But that will be February 17th, which is a Saturday at 7 p.m. Anyways, um, also, other important links down below. As you know, I'm a columnist. I'm a lifestyle columnist for the American Daily Press. And my Apologies 101 article is down in the description below as well. So we have a lot going on tonight. But I'm personally really, really excited to talk to Hannah. So let's get into that. Hey, Hannah, how you doing? Good. How are you, Frida? I'm doing well, thanks. I love how we like had a little twinning moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Between getting, you know, mistaken for you today and matching you this evening, I'm having a good day. There we go. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty cute. <laughs> so let's, the first question I love to ask everybody is what are your first memories of religion? This is a tricky one for me because mm -hmm. there are a few but the first the first the, like earliest memory would mm -hmm. probably be my family my dad's family praying um over meals when I was a kid that was like my first real experience with it my parents weren't very religious <laughs> um when I was early mm -hmm. on like growing up um however I did go uh, then to a like, Lutheran preschool when mm -hmm. I was like four or five yeah four um, and so that was also kind of like that same time period, getting exposed to religion that way. Nice. Are your parents, just out of curiosity, you know, share as much or as little as you feel comfortable, but are your parents more religious today or? No judgment. <laughs> no, I grew no. up with Jehovah's um, Witnesses in her. My <laughs> father is not, <laughs> decidedly not. Um, my mom has been. Like we we went to church like later in my childhood, mm -hmm. um, and she was really active then. Um, she believes in God. Um, there's just you know some 
spiritual abuse that occurred in the past that's kind of like at her distance from the church yeah yeah um but yeah she she is I think leaning into it a little bit these days more so and that's really exciting that is I will definitely be keeping her in my prayers thank you so we have so much to talk about I literally was like taking like copious notes about what I want to talk to you about tonight and I like made subsections and sections and everything (laughs) I like totally nerded out but just for kind of a baseline how would you define your beliefs today well okay so well I don't fully align with any particular denomination like at this Mm -hmm. time that is something I'm still searching I guess would be the best way to put that um we I've been going to a Baptist church, <laughs> but I'm not a Baptist, if that makes sense. Um, I believe that Jesus Christ is my savior. He's the only way like, to salvation. The only mm-hmm. way to the Father is through him. Um, I believe in the Trinity. Um, I believe that anyone who <laughs> will admit that they are a sinner and that they need Jesus Christ can be saved. That's the core of my belief that he can rescue yeah. us from any situation that we may find ourselves in. And that's really what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> that's wonderful and beautiful. I think that it's probably summed up in like the Nyasin Creed or the other Creed, which name I always forget. If you know in chat, tell me and feel free to call me out on not knowing that yet. I'm kidding. Be nice. I'm new here. <laughs> uh, I give my chat a hard time, but it's so nice to see everybody. We have Brendan in the chat. We have Hannah. <laughs> we have Jess, Kyle, uh, Nancy, Melissa. So good to see all of you. Um, so do you want to walk us through some of like the pivotal moments in your religious journey so far? And what's um, that kind of look like? Okay. So bear with me. <laughs> it's all good. Um, when I was 13 years old, I, that's when I accepted Christ as my savior. I, I was 13 years old. Um, it was at a I think I think it was called fifth quarter. This this is a long time ago. So yeah. I, I think it was called fifth quarter. It happened after football games in my hometown. I went with my youth group. Um, and there was a pastor there that just really spoke like I heard, <laughs> like I just felt this calling um, mm-hmm. that you know it was time. Like I needed to admit that I was a sinner, that I had no hope <laughs> if not if not for Jesus Christ. Um, So that was a big moment for me. And then as I got older, I still like, you know, I recognized that I believe in God, um, Mm -hmm. but I did face a lot of temptations as I got older. My parents split. That was a really hard time for me um, growing up. And around that time, I started meeting some people that were not so ideal. Um, And I gave into temptation. I kind of turned Mm -hmm. my back for a while and that is something that I struggle like I feel like I miss so much time basically and that Mm -hmm. that kind of breaks my heart for me (laughs) Um, but that being said another moment for me will kind of need to come up later I guess based on other Mm -hmm. questions because I don't want to dive into that like right this second Um, totally valid (laughs) that being said um, a few years ago I just kind of had this breakdown where I realized that I had completely and totally turned my back on my faith and I didn't recognize myself anymore. And I felt so alone and broken and just 
empty, like really, really empty. And yeah. it was, <laughs> it was a wake up call kind of, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and I just prayed, I prayed for the first time in years and I just felt this overwhelming sense of peace. And I spent more time in the Bible again. Like I, I think I bought like three so that I could compare translations and just like deep dive. And that was like a big moment for me just about four years ago. I think. What translation do you enjoy using? Cause I know that I'm kind of an ESV girly, but my bestie is an NIV girly. So <laughs> I, I think it depends <laughs> on, on what I'm doing. So currently um, the one that I'm, reading the most is the New King James Version. Um, okay. I particular, particularly like that translation. Um, I do also like the ESV though. Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> nice. The um, One of the churches, we've kind of like narrowed it down between two churches um, that we're like praying about going to and, you know, talking to people and everything. Um, um, they use the New Kingdoms version. And <laughs> I think it was my husband that was like, so does that mean we can't like you get a used copy? We have to make sure like it's a new copy of the King James or what? Because <laughs> he hadn't come across that terminology before because him and I are both constantly learning new terminology when it comes to like religion and Christianity and all of the things. Um, thank you guys so much in chat. And thank you so much for all of your prayers. It it's been a rough go. Um, those of you who, I know some of you know, some of you don't, but basically I have like three chronic disabilities and I have days in my body where it's like, everything's fine. Everything's super normal, like perfectly cool. And sometimes I have to go get like really intense infusions um, for one of my chronic illnesses. And it's like, oh, hey, like I did I even need that? Like, I'm doing great. And then other times it's like, oh, yeah, I can barely get out of bed. Cool, 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 cool. And it, when that happens and I get my infusion that time, it's like, it takes like extra time to compensate and like get back to where my body is like normal and doesn't feel like everything's on fire. Um, So that's why I was gone from the show. That's why I've been kind of here and there, not like super around but I'm very glad to be back. And thank you for saying that you're glad to have me back on the show, guys. Very sweet. In the chat, we have some people that like the uh, NISB. We have um, some people that want a new Bible as in a new book, not a newly written version. <laughs> oh, um. Yes, Anna, you may say so. Um, sorry. So were there any spiritual traditions that were specifically like or practices that were like really meaningful to you when you first came to the church? Hmm. I <laughs> can you can you clarify just a tiny tiny bit? So sometimes when you're kind of like new to something, there's kind of like a grounding or like an anchor point for you. For me, it was knowing that I could talk to God like a loving father day or night whenever I needed something, whenever I needed somebody to talk to, whenever I felt like I was going crazy, especially when like, because I got saved after I was chronically ill. So I was supposed to be on a fancy business trip, but I ended up being in a hospital 
but I got saved in that hospital. So it worked out, <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> still slightly salty about missing out on that oceanfront business trip all expenses paid. <laughs> Not gonna lie. <laughs> I do think that the, the, the communication, like the, the praying, like the prayer is a very mm-hmm. big deal. I think that especially like when first getting like accepting Christ as my savior, I think that was a very, very big thing for me um, because so many times, especially growing up, I did feel very, very alone. And so knowing that I wasn't, like hearing that I wasn't, knowing in my heart that I wasn't, reading that I wasn't, like there being so um, much evidence that I'm not alone was very, very comforting to me. Um, So definitely that. I think also um, spending time worshiping, like singing, is just like a very, very important thing to me, um, especially early, early on. That's awesome. Do you have a favorite praise song? Let me think about that. Okay. We can go back to that one. I know. That's a very, very tough question. That's a tonight. very, very tough question. <laughs> no holds barred interview. Breaking exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Thank you, uh, Red Pill NH, for being here tonight. It's nice to see you, new friend. Um. What does Brenda need to wash? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I just had like a massive ADHD. I know. I just saw that. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh wash your hands. Oh, wash your feet. Yes, Brendan, wash your feet. That's going to be memorialized on this podcast episode. You <laughs> false. Oh, my God. Um, oh. So... When it comes to your personal and professional life, how do you see your faith continuing to guide that? So currently, the job that I am in, the job position that I'm in now, um, is very far removed from where I would like to see um, myself, where I feel called to go. <laughs> I do, however, try to just be a example <laughs> in my workforce currently, um, mm. in the capacity that I can. I work for a company that is a tiny bit aggressive. It's okay. Um, yeah, it's like said, that sometimes. Yeah. Um, so that being said, um, more so focusing like towards future career goals. Um, I really am excited to be able to hopefully work with younger adults um, as a Christian counselor. That's that's my goal um, because I know that young adult me, like younger mm-hmm. adult me. I'm like almost 30. I'm not, I'm not super out of the young I mean, like, category. I'm like holding on. Yeah, like you're still young. Yeah. I um, think you and I are probably like the same age. Oh <laughs> um, yeah. I think that I feel very, very called to work with that age range because I think that it's such a fragile like time. There's like, a yeah. lot going on. You're introduced, especially like 18, 19. You're absolutely leaving home in some cases going to college and if you're like five hours away from everyone you know um, a lot of those the support system that you have even if you have a great one isn't right there and some like yeah dark times (laughs) dark times can follow absolutely absolutely especially when there's been a lot of like being sheltered 
like it can be really rough on both ends like if you were really unsheltered so like you know all the ways of the world and you know that you can get away with stuff you know just or, enough to get in trouble though that's like the yes <laughs> yes or like being super de duper little house on the prairie sheltered like i was <laughs> my husband made me rid of like half my clothes and replace them for me he's like no you're not amish babe i'm like but but it's cute it's just bohemian and he's like no you're not amish i'm like okay <laughs> you're my husband i obey <laughs> not amish okay <laughs> yeah and so then you're just like in this like brave new world and yeah it's yeah super super tricky so hopefully um you know being with the career path of christian counselor a big focus of that is you know you are going to see people who have like the the run-of-the-mill like things you see people diagnosed with like mm -hmm. anxiety and depression of course but the the root is just that at the end of the day it is there's a spiritual concern going on that's not to say yeah. that there aren't people who aren't severely mentally ill that is absolutely not the case but there are a lot of instances where there's spiritual wounds that need to be addressed and i think that that is kind of my hope for my faith and my career is helping people come to terms with the fact that like they're not alone um i don't have the answers but there is a very very clear cut way to find the answers go to god god has the answers that that's where we need to go absolutely i mean i feel like i feel that so much because little me like she was terrified that god was going to strike her down whether it was like lightning something she was gonna wake up dead like because every little thing she did she was basically told oh god's gonna get you for that and so with that being every single thing of course i had anxiety are you kidding right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like you're told the most powerful person like the most powerful like entity in the universe is gonna like strike you down you're oh, like well, I love might what, as well lead him to the punch i love what nana c just said in chat that god has all the answers because god already knows all the questions absolutely amen i love that she's always going through the with the wisdom she'll like make a chat and i'll think about it for like the next week it'll apply to something i run into on saturday i'm like i need more <laughs> i need more nana c wisdom <laughs> oh oh Cedar, it's good to see you um so let's get into that. Let's get into the therapy discourse. Okay. All right. What, I've been waiting. <laughs> <laughs> what did that look like for you? Because I know you had quite the journey. Do you want to? Okay. So I think that there's a lot of being said currently about how mm -hmm. therapists take advantage of patients that most therapists are just out for your money and they will not make you like have any great enlightenment there's no there's no answers to be found there um and i think a lot of that is true i think that therapy today is very especially you know secular therapy very very predatory in my opinion honestly um mm, for sure so much of the time they're just stringing you along for so sorry it's all good <laughs> one second it's all good my phone just decided to talk and I'm very embarrassed. It happened to me a lot. Like two weeks ago, I was going live and I was like, oh, why is my phone going off? And it was like, <laughs> oh, finding the faith is streaming. I'm like, I know you interrupted it. Do you mind? <laughs> to right. my phone, not you, babes. 
<laughs> but that's taken care of now. Um, I would say that stringing you along and basically mm-hmm. just how long can they they get money from you, your insurance company? Um, there's yeah. not a lot of we need to work towards this not being a long term relationship because your your relationship with your therapist should not be it should not be a decade long thing. Yeah, like, that that is not what that's there for like that's not to say that like you won't go through therapy and then sometime down the line need to see a therapist again because something happened because you know crisis crises do happen um, exactly yeah but it shouldn't be a this is just what your life is like now you you talk to this person 50 minutes once a week or once a month or for the rest of your life that's just not feasible and it's yeah wrong in my opinion <laughs> I can definitely see that. I mean, full disclosure, I've been very fortunate. I've had about four therapists in my life. I started therapy when my mom died when I was about seven years old. And then it was like court mandated and stuff because it was a, it was a whole thing. Um, and then after that, I took a break from it until I escaped a cult. And then I was like, yep, need therapy again. But... <laughs> But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, how much of this am I talking about things that I really need help with? And how much of it am I talking about things that I could just talk to a friend about? Like annoying little daily stressors. And when I notice that I'm getting to that point again, I'm like, oh, okay, I think I'm I think I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. And like there definitely ebbs and flows with like different seasons. Absolutely. Um I think that one of the things I've noticed in my current, like in the courses that I'm taking as I like mm-hmm. work towards this goal of becoming a Christian counselor is that um, a thing that really stood out to me compared to, like, to, to literature that we were reading at the public community college that I've mm-hmm. been going to um, about keep an end date in mind, like go into the like the therapeutic relationship with the understanding that like there is an end date in mind. This is not supposed to be a long-term thing. Uh, you should want if you are a good counselor, you should want your clients to not need you anymore. Like that, yeah. because you have shown them, you know, like scripture, <laughs> you, you have, you've reopened that line, hopefully, like, or helped them strengthen that relationship that they once had. Um, or maybe it's a new relationship for them um, with God. And so that's, that's the thing that really stood out to me was that that so focused on establishing that relationship so that the, the, worldly counselor <laughs> like me <laughs> doesn't need to, to be in the picture forever like yeah and another thing too that's really important is your therapist should be like a I'm speaking as somebody who's gone to therapy and as a psych minor <laughs> but your therapist should be like a blank canvas that you can you know used to address things with and not have them pushing a like you shouldn't know whether your therapist is a feminist you shouldn't know whether they're gay or straight you shouldn't know anything about them they're not your friend right and it's very important for the therapeutic relationship for you to know that they're not your friend and so that you don't try to also be their friend there's a reason you can't like give them christmas presents so that there's like no bias and stuff like there's reasons for like all of the specific protocols that they have or at least had back when the gems of a therapist, like having a gem of a therapist was a lot rarer. Oh yeah. I think that um, 
a big thing is that you find that these counselors who have an agenda <laughs> and they are very much so actively pushing that agenda on mm. each individual that walks through the doors. And when you have a number of people who are incredibly vulnerable walking through your doors, personally, like myself, um, back in the day, um, I was in a very vulnerable state. I had a therapist that essentially just told me that you know, the reason that you feel uncomfortable in your body, the reason that you're feeling so, so uncomfortable with yourself is because you're actually a man and you have just been living a lie and everyone is like forcing you to live a lie. And I was like, well, what about these things? Like this, this traumatic event that I have experienced. It's like, no, that is because you know, like that was probably exacerbated this, but that's not what's going on here. Here's a bunch of pamphlets. And then it turns out <laughs> much that this person is also you know, a transgender person um, who definitely didn't um, have my best interest at heart. And I think that unfortunately, that is a really common occurrence these days. Yeah, it definitely is. What, how did that make you feel when you were going through all of that? Because I know that like, I have encouraged, you know, some of my friends to go to therapy when I've seen that they're at such a level that like, it would take more than friendship and like my love and care and listening to them to help them. Like they needed somebody that was like, not just a little psych minor. <laughs> Not that you should practice therapy on your friends. You should not do that. Right, no. This is not legal or medical advice. Disclaimer, do not. <laughs> you, there, there's a difference between nurturing somebody and having a therapeutic relationship with them. Absolutely. Don't try to mix it up. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, fair warning. Oh, yeah. I think that in the middle of it back then, um, I was... I went to therapy because I was in a very bad place. I was severely depressed. I wasn't getting out of bed for weeks that it, like it, except for to go to the restroom and maybe yeah. eat or drink something. Um, I was just like not in a good place. Um, but that being said, um, I went to therapy because I basically was told that I didn't really have a choice that like I really needed to do something because what I was doing was not conducive with like survival clearly. Yeah. Um, so I went in a very vulnerable position. Um, to go talk to someone who I thought was going to help me. And I was having some very, very serious feelings of just like not feeling connected with like very like dissociated basically from, yeah. from like myself. Like I, huh. <laughs> but yeah. I feel, I feel like when that was said to me, I was like, okay, well, this person has a whole bunch of degrees. Like they're all over their wall and this person knows what they're talking about. Like, I wasn't in a good headspace. Like I, I wasn't making good decisions. I, so hearing that kind of thing planted a seed that would go on to put a take a very big toll on me honestly um, within a couple months like very very shortly after seeing that therapist they were writing a letter of recommendation for me to begin hormone replacement therapy um, and I had met them like months maybe that was that's actually a long time now actually sadly um that's considered like yeah. gatekeeping by today's standards. Yeah. Um, but this was 2013. And while it was still happening, that was not as talked about, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I like, I don't remember a lot of the trans discussion happening in 2013. I and if it was, it was always one of those, oh, that, like, I mean, even today they will literally tell you, oh, it's not, you know, we're not, like all of the things that you said in that tweet, which if you follow me 
on Twitter. You saw me retweet. Um, by the way, your Twitter is linked below in the description. So <laughs> anybody who wants to go follow you, highly recommend. She's amazing. We adore her. Oh, thank you. Or Hannah stands. <laughs> but um, I also, if you follow me on Instagram at cheesebasebabed, I did a little um slideshow of that thread for you guys so that you could kind of have a little background info. But yeah, like even today they're saying things that you said in that tweet about how, oh no, it's like, it's very rare. We don't do this. Like they have to like go through all of these like measures and say like all of these things in order for us to like go this way with the policy. And it's like, and from your experience, even back then, like it was not that way at all. It wasn't. He was like, I'm so sorry. Um, or she was so, she's like, I'm so sorry. Uh, I have to do this gatekeeping stuff and that I have to write this letter and that it's just so difficult. And I was I was kind of in this like spiral of like what is going on because yeah. I like obviously like I made the decision I was I was of age um so I I'm not saying that like I wasn't like I wasn't aware of what was going on but I wasn't aware of the ramifications of things I was not yeah I didn't have things explained um, by that therapist or the endocrinologist or any of those people um I do think that you do see a lot of people saying, oh, they, well, there's so many steps you have to take. You have to have like all this guidance, that letter that took like, I think a month or two, <laughs> something like that, um, a very short period of months. Um, back then, now you could have at the end of a telehealth appointment. And that is terrifying. Yeah, that um, and is... We, we need counselors with integrity. We need counselors who are based in truth. We need counselors who who have a relationship with God and who want you to have a relationship with your creator. Um, and I just, I feel that, especially now, like right now, if if you feel in your heart that that is something that, that God is speaking to you and telling you that this is something that you should be doing, you should definitely look into programs. Um, they are out there and you are needed. Absolutely. Yeah. It's also one of those things, too, and I would love to get your opinion on this, because this isn't actually fully agreed upon in my household. <laughs> it's kind of a spicy take, but I kind of have this thought process of, because everybody's like, okay, well, what if we, like, cap it at 18? Like, you can only do that if you're 18 or older. And then for me, it's like, where does individual liberty begin and where does the fact that you cannot legally give consent to something if you're not of sound mind? And if you cannot legally give consent to something if you're not of sound mind, like if you were of sound mind, you wouldn't be consenting to this. That's the that's the double edged sword because you know, back then when I was 18, 19 years old, I would have told you that I was completely competent, that I was a hundred percent able to make decisions that were sound. Um, that I knew what, that I understood informed consent that like everything was fine that like I was an adult this is my body my choice huh. <laughs> um, <Bless>. right um, I would have told you all those things um, I heard my therapist even in 2013 say you can explain to your mother that she can have a dead daughter or a living son and oh which one she pick and that's 2013 yeah <laughs> um, so I think that in my opinion, there is no one who can consent to those procedures, not the hormone replacement therapy, not to, not to blockers, not to surgeries, um, because you're not. If you are 
seeking that kind of treatment. You are not of your in, of sound mind. You're you're just not capable of exactly. consenting in any meaningful way. I certainly was not. And that I mean, it even goes to show because, like, if you look at it from a purely aesthetic standpoint, if we take some of the kind of ideology out of this and just go, okay, but I want to present to the world as a man. I don't think I'm a man, but I want to present to the man as a man. I want to like, you know, look like a guy kind of thing and have cat hair <laughs> and have story of my life. Okay. <laughs> um and you know kind of have like aesthetically if you look at like all of the different things like in plastic surgery, there will literally be doctors that don't do certain plastic surgeries because of the fact that they know that the patient isn't of sound mind. Like a woman that wants like triple Fs. Or wh- I don't know how big that scale goes because I'm kind of like mid, but <laughs> I apologize, my brothers in Christ. But like, <laughs> I have a bunch of guy friends that watch this show. <laughs> but, um, like they won't you know have like massive watermelon sized ones like county fair watermelon sized ones because it's not healthy it's not safe and no one can be actually of sound mind if they're consenting to that and how much more so when it comes to like tearing apart your genitalia in one way or another absolutely Um, i think another thing i saw someone mentioning that like uh, that a lot of ways parents are to blame um, and I do think that that is true in some, I will, I want to pause. Yeah, <laughs> I want to say that I do think that parents are, there are parents who are a hundred percent on board with this and that they are condoning it and that they're encouraging it and possibly even the ones planting the seed in their children's head. I do think that is happening. Um, I do, however, think that there are parents who are terrified um, and they hear their kids doctors say well your kid's gonna kill themselves if you don't allow this um I think that there are parents who are misguided and I think that I I I hurt for those parents I think that that's really scary yeah I know my mother um my mom was not she did not understand she was just like this doesn't make any sense um what are you talking about there's got to be something else going on like are you what are you talking about basically um but she also was of the mindset that she didn't want to lose contact with me because she was terrified of what would happen if that um if that happened like if I stopped contacting her like she couldn't figure out where I was or what was going on with me she was really scared and I think that yeah absolutely it was a very scary time it put a wedge between us there was a lot of like we went from being very very close to me being a complete nightmare to be completely honest um and so i i feel i feel sympathy for for that kind of situation i think that there's a lot of that out there um i do think sorry i saw something from hannah in the Mm -hmm. chat um i do think that some of them some of those parents think that they might be being compassionate i do think that some of them project onto their children um their own kind of warped way of viewing things Um, I think a lot of them are misguided uh, but I do think that there are parents out there who very much so manipulate their children and they know that yeah I think that they're like oh I wanted a daughter or I think that does happen I think that there's a little bit of 
a mix of things going on with the parents of kids um, who are being subjected to gender affirming care. Um, Absolutely. I recently wrote an article for the American Daily Press about therapy in general and how they have a lot of predatory practices. That's not to take away from all of the good Christian counselors. That's not to take away from each of the four amazing therapists I've had in like my life, you know, journey so far. But it just like there really are. There's a lot of really harmful um, practices out there. And I think that sometimes it's the parents that genuinely are the ones that need the therapy not the kids the kids behaviors and not even mental disorders just literally the kids behaviors and what's going on in their brains are a side effect of their parent either having you know some other diagnosis like we kind of see and like the really insane thing to me is I wonder like I would never want this to happen but with Gypsy Rose, like, re-entering the spotlight and everything, do you, are you familiar with her story? Yeah. yeah. Trans yeah. is just literally, like, another version of, um, it used to be in the, I think in, like, the DSM-3, it was Munchausen by Proxy. I don't remember what the current name is. But basically, when you're like, oh, no, they're sick, it's like, no, my kid's not sick. You're, you're literally making them sick. So, with... So with all of that, I wonder how long it's going to take for that to literally happen where somebody's like a lifelong patient because of their parent when it comes to all of the trans ideology. I have this really bad feeling that we will see it in our lifetime. I just, I do. I think that it's coming. Um, I think it is devastating. I think that if you look at people like Jazz Jennings, um, you see pain in their eyes. Like they're, they're not happy. Um, And I think that it was Scott Nugent that said that, like, they tried, like, she had tried really hard to um, make herself happy, that she thought that transitioning would bring that for her. Um, but that it turns out that happiness is an inside job. And that yeah. stuck with me. Like, that, like, that phrase has, like, lived in my head <laughs> ever since reading it. Um, because I think that's true. I think that so many of us are so, um, so many of us are just seeking happiness and we look in the wrong places and if you're not careful uh, you will run into people on your your search for happiness that are that are not there to support you that are not going to help you um, exactly or they'll take yeah or they'll take your lack of knowledge or they'll take your you know passion for you know certain things and use it against you in really harmful and grotesque ways for their own ends. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There was another thing I wanted to mention um, because I, I did mention the, mm-hmm. um, the the whole thing where they tell parents that their kids either going yeah. to be um, alive in the opposite sex or which is just not going to happen <laughs> um, or it's so they're going to die. Yeah, it's, it's really, really sad. It feels like they treat it almost like an escape hatch Yeah. where, okay, if you're not happy living as a boy or a girl or whatever, like you were literally born as and what you are in your bones yep (laughs) it's like a little escape hatch like oh it's okay life sucks as a guy but if i'm a girl things are gonna be great things are gonna be the best the best ever and it's like if you look at statistics that is just like it's not it's not true um i'm going to share something that i'm a little surprised at but okay so when when i was on testosterone um Mm -hmm. i 
I had a suicide attempt. I had a, a very, very serious suicide attempt. Yeah. Um, and I had never been more miserable, never, um, than I was about a year and a half on testosterone. I, I, that was just completely, totally like rock bottom. Honestly, it felt like um, I went to the hospital and I remember being just like, well, I need to make sure that I'm going to still get my testosterone. Like you guys are going to make sure I get it right. And there was a nurse who prioritized that, like that was like, yeah, we're going to make sure that you do because like we need to make sure that I'm like, okay, we're not going to question the fact that <laughs> that I have just attempted to take my own life and I am on hormone replacement therapy. Like why, are, why do I get to make decisions about that kind of thing in a psychiatric facility? Please explain to me how, yeah, how I'm capable of not okay. Right. How am I capable of consenting to hormone replacement therapy while in the psych ward? Can you please explain? Because I don't understand. To this day, um, I don't. And I honestly, um, I think that it it took that, honestly. That was, I know that while I was in there, I was still like, yeah, I need my, I need my HRT. This is really important. Give me that testosterone. Like I am, like I, I wanted so badly to believe, like I doubled down briefly, um, but from that moment forward, like getting out of there, this thought, like this doubt started creeping into my head. Like I just, you know, there's something seriously wrong that I wanted to not be here anymore. If this is supposed to be making me happy, then what, what's going on? Like this is wrong. Exactly. Yeah. And it's such a, like, hormones are such a crucial part of our own neurological health, everyone's neurological health. And that's why, like, even being on birth control, being on your own sex's hormones can screw you up. Like, I, um, I was on something called a Mirena, it's an IUD, for those of you that don't know, um, and what was terrifying to learn was when I was talking to, you know, my different girlfriends about getting it out and everything, they were like, oh, careful about Miranda crash. And I'm like, the what? They're like, yeah, the Miranda crash. And they said it was like a normal, like, like it was just a normal thing. And now if that's how bad either adding or removing your own gender's hormone, like your own sex's hormones are, like, of course it's going to be extra, like, brutalized like brutalizing and intense to your body when you're adding in entirely different genders you know hormones to your body oh yeah um i have also in the past had a marina and the the that i can attest to that hormonal like that just messes with you in ways that's not a great feeling at all um and both going on to and getting off of i think that kyle had asked how my body reacted yeah how my body reacted to being off testosterone I don't mind. <laughs> um, I will say that I felt really miserable <laughs> um, getting off of it at first. I, my voice had changed a little bit. And so mm-hmm. seeing things slowly but surely like kind of move backward because of how limited the time period, like they, if I had been on it much longer, I don't know that my body would have recovered the way that it did. I honestly think that God played a major role in the fact that I have escaped relatively unscathed. Because um, there's a very like p- critical point of no return there. Yeah. Um, and I think that I just, I barely, by the skin of my teeth, <laughs> um, avoided that. Because 
while I was like on hormone replacement therapy, there were many times where I was not consistent because I was just like, mm, something's weird. And then I would be like, no, 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 I'm just being a chicken. Like I just, I just need to jab myself with this. It's fine. Um, so going on was a very, very intense experience because I was very, very angry because testosterone. Um, yeah. Great. Great for your mental health. If you're not supposed to have a whole lot of it, by the way, not <laughs> Zero of 10, do not recommend. Um, Even for guys that take right. it for like sports and performance management, like there's a reason why they're always the ones that like have certain, you know, parts that are like shriveled and like they're not doing good mentally. And they're always like the first to like punch through a wall. I just, and then coming off of it was kind of like, like, okay. <laughs> it, you know how everyone feels very, very, um, awkward and uncomfy during puberty, right? That's yeah. just a, the fact of life. Um, yeah. I kind of had that happen again. Like, so going on and then coming off, it was just a nightmare. <laughs> um, it was a lot of emotions, honestly. Um, so the anger from testosterone and then like, as that's leaving your system, you become very, very emotional because your hormone levels are kind of just like in this tailspin of trying to figure out what in the world is going on. Um, <laughs> I already had, as it turns out, hormonal issues because I do have like polycystic ovarian syndrome. That was a thing. I had symptoms mm -hmm. of it long before um, I ever took testosterone and I was really how scared. The, mm -hmm. right, how, did go ahead. how did the testosterone like interplay with PCOS? And also, um, I'm so sorry to hear that you have that. I know that can be quite a struggle. It's rough. Um, I will say that I, I had a period, there was a period of time where like I'm menstruated for mm. like two months like I, I was just I went to the doctor so I was just mm -hmm. like I haven't stopped bleeding like something is yeah. terribly wrong like I'm dying I'm pretty sure she's like oh no it's just because of your like hormone levels are weird but everything's fine I'm like I don't know that this is fine she's like well we could put you on birth control <laughs> like let's definitely add hormones additional yeah. hormones to yeah. this mix naturally two months like, oh my god it was terrible this it past thanksgiving like because i had gotten off the marina in like august i had menstruated like i had menstruated for like two weeks straight and i thought i was gonna die i can't imagine like eight times that if i can do math quickly at the top of my head <laughs> like that's brutal oh yeah Please. um it was weird because it was just like no cramps but just blood i'm like this is this is not this is not good and she was like oh you're fine you're totally you're totally healthy i'm like that can't yeah, and then yeah. little times where then I'd be like, okay, well, if my doctor who's got all these degrees <laughs> says everything's fine, then it's probably okay. Um, I just think so. So I will say that very recently, I was very recently diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. Like, um, I had not had an official diagnosis for a long, long time. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. I went off of all birth control and stuff like a few years ago. Um, and then just to kind of like, because I am approaching, you know, 30. Uh, so yeah. I just, yeah. Well, that being said, I didn't get a period um, after like for like three months this last year. There was a three month period of time. There was just no period. And I was terrified. And I was just like, this is my punishment. Like I my brain immediately, immediately went to like, this is what happened because I <laughs> because I was like naive because I was vulnerable because I listened to the wrong person. I was freaking out. So I called my doctor. I want to hug you so badly, girl. <laughs> I got to the doctor. And I explained, like, I just am just meeting this woman for the first time. Yeah. And I'm just like crying in her office about like, I'm pretty sure that I've ruined my, I'm pretty sure that like, what do you 
mean? And I explained and she was just like, I don't think so. Like she, she was that, that doctor was just like, so many people are going to be going through what you're going through. And that I was blown away because I did not expect it one in the place that I live to find a doctor that was just like, God is holding you and it's going to be okay. I did not yeah. expect to find a doctor that said that to me. And I didn't expect to find a doctor who was just like, what these people are doing to people is wrong. I didn't expect to hear that either. Um, and she ultimately, she went like diligently. And that's when I got my diagnosis. So shortly thereafter, she arranged an ultrasound. She's like, you have polycystic ovarian syndrome. I'm pretty confident that we can work with this. <laughs> like, it's going to be okay. Um, she's like, you might have difficulty, but we'll work through it. And that was a big deal for me because I immediately panicked. I immediately thought yeah. I took testosterone for almost two years. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, why? I thought that was it. Um, and I'm really worried for these young people because I know that I got very, very lucky. I did not go through the surgery. I did like very brief considering like some of these kids are taking puberty blockers and then going on estrogen. And they're like in yeah. testosterone when they're really, really young. I got lucky. Um, and so I feel that part of my like need to pursue this career as a Christian counselor is because I want to make sure that when I hear someone say that, hey, I don't feel connected with my own body. We we talk about the other stuff that could be going on that yeah. definitely more than likely what is going on there um, so that other people don't feel that panic that I felt. Be, a lot of the things, a lot of the best things that I've done in my life stemmed out of being the person I needed when I was younger. So I feel a lot of my soul. Absolutely. Uh, Hina says a really important thing right here. She says, the Hayford one. <laughs> that's what I, um, I was like, I'm sure. <laughs> You say a lot of important things too. That's how I do like, <laughs> um, But she said, it is a struggle, but it is something young women need to hear because puberty is awkward. For most people, it's not fun. And Picos can make things even more confusing for young women. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 100% agree. Um, that was not something I heard about until I was an adult. And I was I was shocked. I was like, oh, well, I don't. That still seemed like something that wasn't about, like, affecting me. Because I just, I didn't, didn't know what to, what to think about it. But yeah, I agree that it's something that needs to be talked about. I think, especially for younger women. Yeah. Our dear, dear internet Nana says, I found journaling to be much more helpful than changing my gender. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I, I endorse that. <laughs> so. Oh. so when you kind of were able to escape this, what were some of the therapeutic approaches that really helped or the familial support that helped kind of once you were like, okay, crap, this isn't good. This isn't helping me get to where I want to be. Essentially. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this because that was a very strange time in my life. Um, I, I didn't really have a lot in that regard at that period of time. I was very, very much so like, doing it on my like I just I kind of 
I withdrew. I just stopped taking the the hormones. When I stopped taking them, I didn't talk to a doctor. I didn't go back to that therapist. I just like, no, <laughs> um, I just stopped, which was a bold life choice looking back. Um, I lost a lot of friends. My friends told me that like I was essentially people who I thought were my friends. They were not my friends. Uh, that I was one of the the bad guys, basically, that I had essentially made everyone else look foolish because I was backtracking and that, you know, this makes everything, everyone look like they're going to be going through a phase because you didn't, you didn't think things through. And that was really hurtful. Um, so I think yeah, that was really helpful. It was actually journaling. I wrote a lot during that period of time. I talked to my mom all the time. Um, she, she was amazing, honestly. Um, I would be lost without my mother. I adore her. Um, she's been supportive of me ever since. Um, she she That's maintained favorite. contact with me because she because of the way she handled things, because she wasn't like gung-ho, like, yeah, mm -hmm. this is a thing. But she also still wanted very much so to know what was going on with me. Um, mm -hmm. That made a very big difference, in my opinion. Um, I could talk to her. I'd be like, hey, this is what I'm going through right now. And I would slowly, like, honestly, the 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 getting out was very gradual. Um, it wasn't all at one time. So I did. I just, like, stopped taking the the testosterone and I stopped seeing that therapist and I didn't go back to that endocrinologist even though they called like a thousand times um I just didn't pick up any more prescriptions I didn't do anything like that um I talked to my mom <laughs> um and I bargained with myself like okay well maybe I'm I'm not a guy okay um maybe I'm just nothing maybe there is like this weird in between and that's why I don't feel quite right so there was this like weird like non-binary or just yeah. like like, not a like not living out the stereotypical fe like expressions of femininity. So it started as, with that whole. I, I live in a blue state, so right. I <laughs> like it started with the thought of like, well, maybe there's something to this non-binary thing, and then I was like, no, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. And then it really kind of occurred to me that like maybe I'm just a woman that feels a little awkward sometimes <laughs> like and that's okay I think that many yeah. of us are that and that has Can't taken confirm. yeah <laughs> um I think that growing up as a person who I'm like the oldest of three siblings I'm the only girl <laughs> in the family um I am six feet tall like I'm really tall um so I just always yeah, you're felt... tall I'm like a <laughs> foot shorter than you <laughs> I'm just really tall um so I just felt weird a lot of my life and I think that at some point this is probably a little tiny side tangent so I apologize um I love tangents at some point they 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 stop saying things like well you know little boys can play with dolls and little girls can be more interested in like race cars and things like that they stop saying that and they stop saying if you do those things then then you're a boy if you or you're a girl you not you can't just enjoy things that maybe like the other sex is more known for enjoying so i think that that was a big thing like coming to the terms that like i don't have to be super feminine all the time like i am feminine in many ways but like i don't i don't have to meet any anybody, anybody else's criteria for what that looks like i think that exactly i think that talking to eventually a therapist that was very neutral on everything um mm -hmm. Which, because around here, it was really difficult back then um, to find a Christian counselor. 
Um, that is a thing that I will mention in just a second. <laughs> um, uh, there's like some information about that. And then I do want to go back to you. Why like to a more like businessy degree? Yeah. Like what like re- aspect about why they actually stopped doing that to a degree that like gives me my own tangent because it like really annoys me. <laughs> I don't I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry, you're fine. Um, let's see. Sorry, I lost my train of thought for like. I'm sorry. Time. You're totally okay. Well, you're picking that back up. So one of the things that genuinely pisses me off from a business perspective is the reason why they stopped doing that. Oh, boys can do this. Girls can do this is because of the fact that it was integrating their market share within the like within the capitalist framework. Dude, I love money. I'm, you know, I'm not against capitalism, but because of the fact that the mark so basically the market share is you know what percentage of a certain demographic is involved in this and when it comes to a lot of the girls like you know watching something or getting a lot of the products it makes it really hard to market to like their original demographic that they hadn't planned for and so when it cuts into the market share that makes things messy and they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to be able to cater to both audiences. A great example is the recasting and letting go of one of the characters in Teen Titans Go from like a bajillion years ago. (laughs) Because do you remember that? I remember Teen Titans. I like, I didn't watch the the reboot because that was just not, I was like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. I like, I worked as a nanny. I was forced to. Okay. That makes sense. (laughs) So, but yeah. So when, it's like divergent personality wise. It's one of those things that just like, nope, can't do that. And so because of that, I genuinely fair that that's why they're like, oh, no, boys can't play with dolls because of market share. I think that that's a really good point. And that is not something that I had really given much thought. I, yeah, I think that's right. It's a tangential conspiracy theory <laughs> that sparked right now in it's my mind. It's not a conspiracy theory if it's true. <laughs> um, but no, I think. Uh, okay, so Hannah, other Hannah, not me. <laughs> okay. uh, I hit on something that is critical. That I am feminine, even if I struggle with polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, or when I felt most, most confused. That's true. I am feminine. Um, that is a good point. Yeah, I think that it. It was difficult. I think that um, there was a period of time um, leading up to everything, like leading up to me going away to college, um, that I started feeling really, really uncomfortable with myself. Not just aside from like the like you know that the typical teenage girl uncomfortableness of yeah. of it all, um, yeah. but more that there was like a a, a deep trauma thing going on. Um, and I didn't know how to put that into words. I didn't know how to talk about it. And so that coupled with the polycystic ovarian syndrome and the the just feeling completely and totally alone um, put me in a position where I was more vulnerable. And I think that did make me more successful. Um, so I do think that it's important that we we let teenage girls talk about the things that happen to them. I think that that's really yeah. important and that we we don't try to say that, well, this means this about you because you know your therapist shouldn't be affirming you they shouldn't they should be challenging you if if anything um in my humble opinion (laughs) 
And just because you are something or have or identify with something or enjoy something, that doesn't change your DNA. Right. Exactly. It Like, you can be a guy that likes different things. You can be a girl that likes different things. For sure. And there's plenty of things that both of us love, you know, guys and girls alike. We have to have common ground. Like, we have to. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So one of the other questions I wanted to get into with you is, what advice would you give to individuals who are struggling to reconcile their own faith with their experiences or identities? Okay, so this is a good question. It's a really, really good question. Um, There are many times where I personally will will feel that I am not worthy um, because I will think back to that time period and things that I've done and said and just that I, how could God love me basically based on on the past? Um, And I think that an important thing to remember, the biggest piece that I have is that when Jesus died on that cross, like that, that was the ultimate, that, that pays the price of all of the things that you did. If, if you were sincere and repentant and you, you have accepted Christ as your savior, then you, you don't have to beat yourself up about those things. Do better, go forward, going forward, use those experiences to help other people. Maybe they can, maybe you can help them not go down that path. Maybe you can help them heal. (laughs) Um, and I think that's that's the thing that's helped me is that when I feel that way, I remember that if I sit there and believe that that I am not redeemable because of the past, then that is me attempting to cheapen the sacrifice that was made, the price that was paid for me, the, the free gift of salvation. And yeah. I think that that's important to remember is that it is not about your past. <laughs> it's Exactly. And that just goes even further into doing what the devil wants you to do. Because, you know, not only does he want you to cut up your beautiful body that was made in the very image of God when God knew you when you were in it together in your mother's womb, but he also wants you to beat yourself up about it and feel like absolute dog poop because he hates you. He hates all of us. Yeah. Why would you listen to a hater? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I think um, one thing that has helped me is I remember, and the thing that I would encourage you, everyone to remember really, is that we are to forgive others that as, as Christ has forgiven us. Like we are, that is what we are called to do. And that includes you. <laughs> like you are, you're involved in that. Like you need to forgive yourself too. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the, th- I think it was, I think it's in the book of John. Um, when there was this woman and she was about to get stoned. Not in like the cannabis way, <laughs> like in the the rock way, and I'm clarifying. Not everybody knows that. I know. <laughs> it just got me. That's all. <laughs> so in the rock way, and they were like, "So should we stone her?" And Jesus was like, "No, get up, go sin no more." And I think that's something that we have to remind ourselves of because we can get so easily caught up in bad spirals and trying to like in breaking something and then trying to do all of the things that won't fix it to fix it and breaking all the other things. Yep. Like guilty, done there, done that, don't want to go back. And 
just remembering that he forgives us, which means if he forgives us, somebody so much more like holier than we could ever hope to be, but you know, can be because of the fact that he, you know, is there for us in that way, like we can forgive ourselves. That was very well said. So thank you. Thank you. But was it well said in the cannabis way or the rock way? In the rock way. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna live in my brain for the next week, just so you know, Frida. <laughs> Yay, I don't have to pay rent I'm living in Hannah's head. <laughs> Tell the landlord to take this week off the run. Right. <laughs> So I know that you are currently in college, right? I am. So when it comes to chemicals that, you know, won't harm you, have you heard about my favorite coffee company? Ooh, North Arrow? It is North Arrow Coffee. Instead of harming lives, they actually benefit lives. Do you want a delicious brew that shares your values too? Look no further than North Arrow Coffee. North Arrow Coffee is a pro-life veteran-owned business that I am proud to have as a sponsor. Not only do they have a delicious, superior product, they also pledge to donate at least 15% of their sales to organizations that support and advocate for the pre-born, help families facing crisis pregnancies, and offer healing to those who have been affected by abortion in a gospel-centered way. Order North Arrow Coffee today. You can do so by going to northarrowcoffee.co. And when you use code FRIDA, F-R-E-D-A, you'll save 10% off your first order. So, I'm sure that with college, you, and are you like me? Do you enjoy a lot of coffee when you're doing your schoolwork? Oh, much. (laughs) (laughs) And how is college going? Um, It's going pretty well. I am almost done with my bachelor's degree and then I still have like three more years um in order yeah. for licensure and all that stuff um but it's it's going it's it's a bit stressful because I work full-time and I'm a full-time college student so that gets a little hectic um, oh yeah but I will say that this experience I had gone to a community college um when I decided that I was going back to college, I was going to try college again. <laughs> um, as I think in 2019-20, I decided I was going to go get an associate. You can take a couple tries. I mean, honestly, yeah. like I ended up having to drop out of a community college because I was going to school full time there, and they told me that I could do all my classes remotely, but just have a full time schedule. But then they wanted me to like take days out of work to drive to the opposite end of the state and pay like exorbitant amounts in tolls when I wasn't getting paid that day. And I was like, no, you want more money from me. That's no. Naturally. (laughs) And so I had to reevaluate and then I went back and that's why I'm a psych minor, not a psych major. Oh yeah. I think that, I think it's good to go back later. Honestly, if I had it to do over again, I would not have, um, ventured off to college at 18. That was a monumentally like bad <laughs> life decision. Um, yeah. But the second go around, I went to a public community college. I noticed that like 
I was I was pursuing an associate's degree in human services with a concentration in substance abuse counseling. And um, I just something about the the program, like the two year degree program, there was just I think that I've, I've I've seen you post about like questions and things that you get marked wrong for. Yes. Um, oh my God. There was crazy. one today that made me, I have like <laughs> one on a rant and one of our recent guest DMs about it because the quiet, like it was poli sci and tell me how both the, both of these answers are correct. Right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to get heated. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a spicy kick, but like, if you're saying that all of the news media is liberal, and then all of the news media is conservative. It can only be one. They're not the same thing. They're opposites of each other. That's why one's called the far left and one's called the far right. Even though I don't think I'm like far right, but like they're opposites. <laughs> and it was like, well, antidotally through the uh, evidence and everything, that's, that's why it's called this. And there's also other studies that show according to a blah, blah, blah research center. And I'm like, oh, really? And it was so stupid. I was just like, no, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, at least to my professors, like, you know, at least to something good about him. Although I accidentally found him on Twitter later. And then I felt like a creep. <laughs> it was just like all like Pete Buttigieg retweets. <laughs> um, bless his heart. <laughs> but basically, um, he did go like, this is the far left. So at least there was that much yeah. he has been like really great when it comes to being like considerate of the different perspectives because i basically did my entire coursework on why abortion is a human rights issue and he was like really chill about it and i got 100 on everything so i was like okay <laughs> see at least there's that because i've had the opposite experience in like when i went to the community college i haven't had that experience now since i have gone since i'm now going to a christian university that is not a thing that has happened to me previously oh, like i didn't take race baiting and i was given a 50 for not participating even though i did follow the rubric and i like i was just like okay yeah I'm like i'm sorry that I, I wasn't gonna talk badly about myself for for a grade i don't know uh really weird yeah and i was like i was fully prepared for that too and one of the things that like really helped me was remembering that ben Shapiro, although like he's like 40 now I think he's like canonly 40. I could be wrong. I'm sorry, Ben. You don't even know who I am. Um, <laughs> but like. <laughs> That's what you say. And then. <laughs> we, we we attempt to not go to the Duda land. <laughs> but um, he was always like, oh, you know, if you know what they're looking for, just write the right thing for the, you know, to get the good grade. Don't, you know, do it. But like, I also wonder how polarized things were back when he was in college right because this this assignment that i was referring to mm -hmm. happened like in 2020 and i was like oh good no, lord sir. <laughs> no sir <laughs> i'll eat the 50 um, whatever yeah. <laughs> not today <laughs> yeah this sounds like a great way to not be at college anymore no okay <laughs> i just i didn't i, I wasn't that's okay. Like it, it, it worked out all right. I, I kept my grades up enough that like I could, I could have a bad assignment. It was okay. Um, but go, this, this experience at um, 
different. University has been so, so much different. Like, I, I get, like, scripture sent to me every morning by professors, and that is, like, the nicest thing. Like, That's amazing. I love that. Like, so wonderful. A big, a big part of all of our assignments, no matter what the topic is, putting things into a biblical perspective, which has really challenged me to think about things. It's also been that, like, just the, even the counseling education part of it, like, so more specific things on, like, techniques and things like that. Um, an emphasis on making sure that the, the technique that you're using is empirically sound while still um, leaning heavily on scripture as, as you know, your frame for everything because it is truth. Um, and so I think that's really nice. And this degree that would not really have nice. been possible elsewhere, so I'm really glad. That's amazing. Oh, there are people in the chat saying that they've had, you know, the previous issue and they're also um, kind of jelly that, you know, you have that like wonderful, like love and support and like the scriptures and everything. Oh, yeah, I think that um, I think that it's important that like if that is something that you're interested in, that there are options like they a lot of the university system is a um, dumpster fire. Be oh yeah, for really sure. honest. That is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, but there are options. I know that like it has been a lifesaver for me. Honestly, um, I was really, really worried about it. <laughs> um, honestly, I was like, I don't know. Like, I've gone to university before, and it was really, really questionable. And like, and yeah, this this place says that they're this, but are they really? Or is that just like a way to get my money? Um, and that has not seemed to be the case, which is really, really nice. That's wonderful because I know so much of it can be brutal. And honestly, if I think there are certain things that you definitely, definitely need college for, but there's so much that you just don't need college for. Totally agree. And I feel like half the time, a lot of girls around our age are finding that they don't necessarily want to go after so much like what they studied and went to school for. They want to be a stay-at-home mom or a homemaker right. or things like that. I have that conflict, I promise. Yes. <laughs> and they end up ha like working outside the home because of the fact that they have to pay for the degree that they got. Okay. And, yeah. <laughs> Not to let sense. you know what's been, you know, going on in the little this-is-fine dog-burning picture. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> um, it's a thing that I spend a lot of time praying about because I – I do think it's very important that that you know, I be home with like any potential yeah. of your children. Um, and now there are options, you know, like there are more options where I could yeah. use that degree and work from home and so still be here. Exactly. Have a very, very like flexible schedule. Um, and then also there's the whole like, there's a few um, like church schools mm -hmm. in my area. And that's another option of like working with young people um, that way and still, you know, having a, a career that is understanding of the fact that I have children and I have to be yeah. home. I can't like, I can't live for the job um, because my role is more important than the, the job itself. If yeah. that makes sense. Um, and for the record to both you and anybody watching this, if you, you know, are a career woman who's healthily prioritizing both, <laughs> like I was raised by a single mom. She was an yeah. absolute badass, like number one hero. And different things work for different people. Yes, 100%. You and God 
and your husband are the ones that know what works best for your life and your children. And this is not a judgment call. This is oh, yeah. totally like where I'm currently at in my life and what, you know, that looks like for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm really glad that you said that to you. I think that is important. Um, I think that um, a pet peeve of mine is like so much we hear about how feminism, like women need to be out like working and they need to be like breadwinners and they're awesome. And that's totally like, I, I totally agree that women are awesome. Like we are capable of women awesome, are awesome things. Yeah. Like, um, that but being it's, said, that we don't mm-hmm. all have to do the same thing in order to exactly. be awesome. <laughs> um, exactly. You can work out of the home if, if that is what you and your husband and God, like if that is like a thing that feels right and then absolutely um, do that. But you also shouldn't belittle women that want to stay home and who want more of a traditional thing going on. I think that I think that that is one of the like feminism has really, really divided women um, because I know it's that the worst thing that's happened to the West. Yes, I totally agree. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have lost friends because I'm like, well, you know, like. I think that it's okay if people want to stay home. Like, I think that's a really crazy thing to lose friends over. But um, because that's like also one of my tamest like takes on things. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think it's okay to to want to stay home or to want to work. I think that either is fine. Well, (laughs) apparently. Like, even if you do different things in different seasons. Right. Like, sometimes like when your kids are older and, you know, you're homeschooling them, but it can be like very like, hands off to a certain degree and you can go and do your thing like remotely or whatever because like we have such you know an advantage now in that regard depending on what state you live in if you're not on one of those states that's like oh no you can't work remotely we don't hire remote in that state sorry i'm bitter oh you're fine i work from home and i would be devastated (laughs) if that didn't if that was if they suddenly took that away from me i'd be like well i'm going to like something I cannot leave the house and do. <laughs> I, I literally okay. Side note on that side note, but like I lost my last position because of the fact that I was laid off because of the fact that even though I worked ninety percent remote and had already had COVID, I wouldn't take the job. And now I think we're officially kicked off YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you need to join us over on Rumble. Um, when I first got hired with this place, I was really scared um, that they were going to make me because it was right around then. I was, I was I was for sure that I was going to get laid off because I was not going to do it. Um, I was convinced that, that was going to happen. Um, and then I asked about it because I was, you know, what? we're just going to like rip the bandaid off. We're yep. going to like, see, yep. we're going to, we're going to just let them know that. And they were like, oh, we're in Florida. Don't worry. And I was like, ah, oh. <laughs> and it was fine. Everything was okay. Um, but no, that, that would infuriate me. Working from home. Yeah. 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 And then they got mad at me because I didn't come into work because I was in, like, I was literally hospitalized. And they were like, why didn't you tell us you were disabled before? And I was like, because I'm not normally hospitalized for a week against my will. I'm sorry that medical emergencies happen. I don't know what to tell you other than that I am a human being. Okay. (laughs) It it, it was heavily. Estupido. But yeah, anyways, so I think different things can work in different seasons of your life. I agree. And what my dear cousin in Ireland loves to say, because like, she's like a 
you know, she's a business girly. She also is a mom of two adorable, sweet, precious little ones that are, they have really pinchable cheeks. I don't know, something about our Irish jeans just gives us very, like, pinchable. Um, <laughs> but she, sa she always says, you can have it all, just not all at once. Yeah, I think that's very true. My mother, my mother worked a majority of, like, of the time that she had children at home. Um, I was homeschooled for two years and she worked as like, so it, it can happen. It work, it will work out. <laughs> um, I exactly. think that if you, if you set your mind to it and it's what God has in, has in store for you, then it will, it will work out. Um, in my opinion. Amen. Yeah. Now, one of <laughs> go do a lingo. It'll kill you if you don't learn Spanish. It's fine. Duolingo is intimidating and I had to delete it and then like I think I muted the e like I just I unsubscribed from the emails because it was getting very aggressive and I was just it, it's, it's so aggressive <laughs> and like as a marketing strategy I love it as an app oh, yeah for sure. I'm trying to learn Gaelic we'll relearn Gaelic because that was my first language um, that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> um yeah because I, I mean I was born in Ireland so they mostly spoke that over there but um yeah but having a little green bird pop out of the woodwork of my phone to threaten my life like and you wonder why you have anxiety certain yeah. things are side effects of existing oh my god oh thank you so much ash kyla bring me the cat and the treats for those of you who don't know every um every rumble rant gets jazz a treat <laughs> So he will be with us in just a moment. But um, what unique perspective or contribution do you think specifically Christian counselors bring to the mental health and therapy field? Um, I think that they bring a little bit more focus back on the like spiritual element that is very much at play in our lives. I think that there are a lot of wounds that are not physical. And I think that Christian counselors are in a unique position to help people reestablish or strengthen their relationship with the the ultimate healer, the ultimate counselor. Um, I think that's what's really important. The very important distinction is that um, you are you're not the the help. Basically, you're you're just a, someone holding their hand on their way back. Basically. Oh, how precious. This is Jazzy. This is from Auntie Ashley. And then another question I had is, do you like cats? <laughs> I love cats. I have two of them. I'm allergic. <laughs> oh, Seder. Um, I have two cats. One of them is Bubs. Um, and then... Um, Killjoy. She's aptly named. Um, That's from Uncle Maddie. We say thank you, Uncle Maddie. Thank you, Auntie Ashley. Um, that's adorable, though. I love that. Um, now, the actual question that I had for you. <laughs> He's so cute. He does the crunchy, crunchy, crunch. Crunchy, crunchy, crunch. <laughs> um, 
Looking back on your journey, what message of hope or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners, especially those who may be facing similar challenges or seeking their own path towards faith and healing? I think that it is important to remember that no matter where you are in in your life, like if you are at your rock bottom, if maybe you're not quite at rock bottom or maybe you're past there, um, that God will rescue you. Like you can't, you are, you are not too far gone. Um, he will pull you up. <laughs> and put you back on solid ground. That's That's been true for me. It has been true for many that I know and love, um, and it can certainly be true for you as well. That would be what I want to remind people. <laughs> I love that. That was very well stated. <laughs> so, everybody... Thank you so much for being here, for finding the faith. If you're listening to the audio podcast version of this, please remember that you can check us out live and join in on the chat at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard on Tuesday evenings. Our next episode will be with our dear friend, Jess Holmes. She will be talking to us about marriage and will be answering your burning dating questions hopefully that's the only thing burning otherwise you may need to remember to get checked and drink some cranberry juice but (laughs) i digress with being cheeky cheeky and just want to remind you that if you make sure to check out the discord down below you will be able to join a wonderful loving community that loves memes movie nights and all of the good things that friendship and fellowship have to offer so make sure you do that because we will be watching father stew on february 17th at 7 p.m eastern standard that will be a lot of fun i cannot wait to watch that movie and i hope you'll all be able to i figured it would be a nice thing to give the singles a bit of community and to give those married a cheap idea because it'll be you know easy peasy because this economy is screwed (laughs) but thankfully (laughs) Our lives don't have to be if we have Jesus. So make sure to join the Discord. Stay based and stay blessed. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, kindly do me a favor and leave me a five-star rating on your favorite podcast app. My podcast is available wherever you can listen, and it's also available live on Rumble on Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. Eastern. I hope you can join us in whatever format works best for you. Please tell somebody that you care about about this episode so that I can spread my work and encourage more people. And remember, stay based and stay blessed.